conversations about sex work in the media are rarely honest about all the complexities. They typically only talk about the dangers or only talk about the glamour. But actually, it's way more complicated. My name is Sarah Daniel, and I'm the founder and director of Unconditional, a nonprofit for women who work in the sex industry. We exist to be the bridge between the church and sex workers. We bring gifts to local strip clubs and begin life-transforming friendships. We say life-transforming because when a church lady and a stripper become best friends, both of their lives and stereotypes of each other are forced to transform. We also help connect women to unique resources and provide wraparound support. If you're in sex work and need assistance, it can be really difficult to find a service provider that won't judge you and can understand the unique challenges you may face. Over the past six years of running Unconditional, I've realized just how little the general population understands about the sex industry. I know because I was completely clueless at the beginning. We're starting this podcast to give an opportunity and platform for our friends to share about issues that are important to them in their work. Our hope is that when you're finished listening, you can understand that sex workers are just people, just like you and me. We know that this topic can cause some strong reactions and opinions and you probably won't agree with what every guest has to say. And if you're a sex worker, your experience in this occupation may be very different from what you hear. I encourage you to keep listening. We will have a variety of viewpoints, perspectives, and experiences represented throughout the show. We wanna represent the diversity of this industry as every person has their own story. And as we know, it can be really complicated. In order to protect our guests from any repercussions of participating in this podcast, all names have been changed. Identifying information of clubs or other people mentioned in this podcast have been censored out. Due to the subject matter, viewer discretion is advised. Before we start this week's episode of It's Complicated, there are a few things I want to address. When we do our interviews on this podcast, we don't edit out what our guests have to say. We don't want people to feel like they have to edit themselves when they're around us and only say certain words or not say other words. But for this week's episode, we're talking about racism. And when telling some stories, our guest Lola shared some direct quotes of what people said to her, which included the N-word. We went back and forth on whether or not to censor this out. We ultimately decided to censor it because of how it can make people feel who are listening to it. The N-word is not just a swear word. It holds weight of oppression, racism, and marginalization for African Americans in our society. This is the reason why we chose to censor it out, because we don't want to give it a platform on our podcast to make our listeners feel that weight of oppression that it has been used for for centuries. We hope you understand our reasoning, and maybe you agree with them, maybe you don't. But as we know, it's complicated. Also, with this episode, one thing I want to address is the whiteness of Unconditional as an organization. Our club team is 100% Caucasian. I'm not telling you this because I'm proud of this, but because this is the reality. This gives us a skewed worldview and things that we know we don't always understand, but we're trying. We are not happy with the fact that our club team is 100% Caucasian, and we're actively trying to change that. But this is also partly why we mainly target white clubs, We don't want to show up at the black clubs in our community looking like we're white saviors trying to rescue people. So we go into this conversation humbly, knowing that there's a lot of things that we as an organization are even doing wrong, and that we're actively trying to change. Thank you for listening and giving us grace in this conversation. 
well, welcome to this episode of It's Complicated. I'm my friend Lola here today with us, and I've known her for several years, um, but just recently started talking to me and being my friend, uh, would just like smile at me and take a gift bag and be like, thank you for the first like four years, but... Now she's one of my favorite people and is super hilarious and always keeps it real. And yeah, so if you guys want to introduce yourselves, you can um, share any fun facts about yourself that you want people to know. Um, And if you want, you can share how long you've been in the industry and um, yeah, anything about your backstory you want to make sure people know. Um, My name's Lola, kind of. Uh, I am, I've been in the industry for five years, going on six years. I am a very light yellow color, but I am still black for the most part. Um, I experience a lot of racism, a lot of different things in the club Mm -hmm. from customers, management, other dancers, especially. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say no. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about today is racism that's in the sex industry. Um, and that, no pun intended, it's complicated. But that's something that I really wasn't aware of at all until I got really deep in this and started talking to um, uh, dancers of color and hearing their experience. And so you just want to start us out a little bit of um, maybe just sharing any specific experience to kind of get us started. And then we'll just kind of go from there. So being a dancer of color in any club is harder, no matter what they tell you. Um, when you're talking to the customers and as a, as a dancer of color and as a dancer in general, I'm your fantasy. I have to be whatever you want me to be. So when people ask me, what are you? I'm Spanish. I'm Italian. I am whatever your fantasy is for me to be. Now doing that means that sometimes I can't always say I'm black because it's it'll make me more money if I'm foreign or if I'm something that they want me to be. Once people think that I'm not black, it opens up something in their mind where they're like, since she's not black, I can tell her how I really feel mm-hmm. or stuff like that. Like I've had guys tell me, oh, you don't smell black or your what? hair. Yes. Yes. I had, um, I had a customer who would come in every day for years and my straightener broke one day. I straightened my hair every day. I mean, you have to do anything you can to make yourself fit in when you're a person of color. My straightener broke and my hair was naturally curly. And he told me that I shouldn't perm my hair because it makes me look black. And I couldn't tell him, oh, this is my natural hair because I had already had something set up with him for years. Yeah. I have had people tell me that I would be prettier if I was a little lighter. Like just different things like that. I've had girls who, I had a, it was a girl actually at the club with, um, it's on the microphone so I can't say it, but, um, she came around the corner and didn't know any black girls were in the locker room and she was ranting and raving and saying, (laughs) one of the black girls came around the corner and seen her and her whole face just like dropped like, Mm -hmm. oh shit. Mm -hmm. And it's like. You don't think they're racist until they get to open their mouth. I sat with a customer who had about three to six thousand dollars on him. He's a very wealthy man, probably very influential. Uh, I mean, he looked like he commanded respect, like he was used to being listened to. Mm. I told him I was Italian and Native American. It's what he wanted. And I speak Italian. And it just opened up this mind numbing conversation with Mm. him. He told me that 
basically mixed people were half breeds and the only reason that black people got prettier is because white people were sleeping with them and there was uh, some of the things that came out of his mouth were so sickening and all I could think about is like where's your family where do you work at like who are you in real life Mm -hmm. like you don't understand like the people who come into the club they have a real life out there like this man who really believes that black people are are just the lowest of the low he has a job somewhere not only does he have a job he has a lot of money he's influential like wherever he's at he's in a position of power exactly to spread hate like that nobody even knows Mm -hmm. until he had that conversation with me no one at the club knew he thought that way and he had been coming in for years Mm -hmm. ever since that conversation and i told everyone about it now when he comes in he looks nervous like Mm -hmm. people look at him and they're they're you know what I mean? They're disgusted by it. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a girl that works at my club who is by far one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. The smallest waist. Like she works out every day. She works very, very hard on her image. And because of the fact that she is darker skinned, she's passed over so mm-hmm. many times. I've had guys ask me if she's like a man or something. I've Because she has <sighs> muscles on her arm. Mm-hmm. I've had guys ask me, you know what I mean? Like how dark she is like wow you can barely see her and i'm like she's gorgeous mm-hmm. like she I, you know who i'm yeah, talking I'm about sure on day she's about. beautiful mm-hmm. man she's gorgeous and it's just insane how they treat her mm-hmm. i mean how she it. no you're cool um you know i think that's uh really eye-opening for people to understand like so i mean racism in our country is definitely coming out more like i my personal opinion is I don't think necessarily people are more racist now. I think they're more comfortable now. And so people are feel like it's a safe space for them to be open. Some people they don't are. even know they're being racist. That's just mm-hmm. something they were they grew up with or something that they thought and now it's like it's normal for them to say. It's nothing yeah. bad. Like it's that 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 level of ignorance. I guess like even like racism and ignorance, people are feeling more comfortable with just saying like whatever. there's girls at the club who say the n word and they're like, oh my boyfriend is black and I'm like, well say that still to your boyfriend. Okay. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. he's not gonna let you say it just right. because. Right. Yeah, you're still. I don't know. Like it's. Well, with people being more open about it about racism, do you feel like? people have been more open at the club about it or has it just always been like this is the space where people can just say whatever they want to you at the club we get a lot of racism at conventions Mm. um no one really likes to talk about it but i think the most i've ever experienced uh racism is a race weekend in the nra Mm. i am a gun holder i i've always loved nra i've always loved (laughs) my rights and shit like that but I've never met a more racist group of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the NRA, Trump was in town, and I was on stage dancing to a Hispanic song. Mm-hmm. I speak Spanish. I love the culture. I think it's all great. Mm-hmm. I don't discriminate. And I had two people told, tell me to go back to Mexico when I was dancing to the song because they thought it was funny. I'm not from Mexico. I mm-hmm. like I have no Spanish in me. Mm-hmm. How racist is it that you can't even like pinpoint my race? Like... You're just mad that I'm dancing to a song. Mm -hmm. Like that just, that's so racist. And then race weekend, we get a lot, a lot of racism. I know um, the girl you were talking about earlier actually Mm -hmm. got told to show her pussy. Like that's what they came up. They came right to her stage and leaned over and said that. 
Like, how comfortable do you have to be to just be that rude? Did any, were there any repercussions of the customers? Uh, they kicked him out, but That's I mean, good. there's been racism where they don't get kicked out. I've, uh, I've noticed in some clubs when you're, when black girls come in, I, I hate to say this, but I tell them I'm like whiten yourself up. You know what I mean? Ask to dance to some rock music. You know what I mean? Like be friendly, be polite, because if not, you're not going to get hired. I've seen white girls come in who look like they've been on meth for fucking two years and they hire them right away. And then I've seen black girls come in who look like models and they're turned away. And it's so fucked up. It's like, why would you hire this girl who's who looks like she's coming out of rehab, but you wouldn't hire this black girl just because... And I know, like, I came from a very ghetto club. Mm-hmm. And I tried out twice before I was hired. But I know other girls who they look... That as soon as they see they, they won't even take them. They won't even take them. And that's so fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know... Like, that's me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They love me now. And I'm very well respected at my club, but... If I wouldn't have been given a chance, they would have never been able to meet me. How many mm-hmm. other girls that came from the just needed a chance were turned away mm-hmm. because of their skin color? Mm-hmm. And the worst part of this is I am, I literally am a high yellow color. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't even know I'm black until I tell mm-hmm. them. So I could only imagine what the girls go through who are chocolate or who are mm-hmm. such a, like, just a pretty black color, but they're ignored. Mm-hmm. What okay. do you think that, um, like, how, how has that affected you emotionally, mentally, by hearing those things all the time at the club? Like, do you just, are you able to tune it out at this point? Like, does it, do you report every time it happens? I mean, you can't report it? it. They can't do anything about it. There's nothing, racism is, it's like it's always going to be in the club. And that sucks to say, but it's just, there's nothing you can do about it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I just think it's really interesting because, like, I don't know. And maybe, maybe I'm being ignorant on situations, but like, I feel like in most other working environments, then if a customer came in and was saying the N word to you, which in that case they were kicked out, but I know that doesn't happen at every club. Mm-hmm. Um, or it depends making, on how much money they're spending. Right. When you got a guy spending, you know what I mean? 20 bucks and he says the N word, they're going to toss him out. But when right. you've got a guy spend I've actually sat at a table this was not one of my proudest moments I've actually sat at a table with a very influential man um an owner of a very large company and it was me and about four other girls and mm-hmm. I was uh there was me and another black girl try not mm-hmm. to say the names me and another black girl sitting there and uh this guy is just he's not even drunk he's slightly tipsy having a good time and he's just so rude money Mm -hmm. and power it makes you it makes you makes most people rude Mm -hmm. um a girl walked up in a dress she was like how do you like my dress he said you should have found one that fit you and he's got money so they're not going to say anything to him Mm -hmm. he's got a um card open with about fifteen thousand dollars no one's going to say anything hold up he's spending fifteen thousand fifteen to twenty thousand dollars no one's going to say anything to him Whoa! Not only that, but us at the table, the select few that are sitting with him, not even the girls here, like throwing it on, mm-hmm. we're getting tipped hundreds. I had been sitting with him and and he loves me, so mm-hmm. I had been sitting there an hour and I already made like two grand. Mm-hmm. He looks over at the other girl and he's like, um, "I want to say it," and she was like, "What?" And he's like, "I want to say it." And he leans over and he says the N word, 
And she was like, she he leaned, just wanted to see if he could say it. Yeah, he just wanted to see if he could say it. And she leans up like she's going to say something to him. And he picks up a stack of $1,000 and slides it across the table. And she sits back and doesn't say a thing. He leaned over and said it to me and handed me a stack of money. And I didn't say a damn thing. I left with $4,000. But in my head, I'm like, I just let a white man call me a n- I mean, like, I don't know who's really losing. Like, dignity-wise, I'm losing, but in a logical sense, you just paid me pretty much three to $4,000 so you could say the N-word. And yeah. he comes in frequently, too. Wow. And it's, you never realize, it's mainly the people with money. They mm-hmm. think they can buy themselves out of any situation, and, like, unfortunately, we proved to him that he could. Wow strippers have to go through when it comes to making money like sometimes you you can't really you can't really express yourself to customers I have customers who talk about things that I just want to punch them in the mouth for and I can't say anything I have to smile and nod my hand head it's so like it's mentally straining Mm -hmm. Because I don't agree with what you're saying, but I can't open my mouth and tell you how ignorant you're being. Like, mm-hmm. especially when they start talking about, like, politics or anything like right. that. Yeah. And it drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's different than a lot of other customer service jobs with what you mentally have to go through because... Yeah, they, and other customer service jobs, there's a... Uh, we're in a bar. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're... We cater to the lowest of the low in a way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You come to get drunk. You come to let out your exhibitions. You mm-hmm. you come to strippers for therapy, for, you know what I mean, naked therapy at mm-hmm. the same time. You know what I mean? You tell us our deepest, darkest secrets. You tell us why you're fighting with the, your wife. You know what I mean? And a lot of the, a lot of the white guys we get in mm-hmm. can't like black girls in their normal settings. So sometimes there's guys who are just for black girls because in the setting that they're with their family or with whatever they're doing in their real life, they can't admit to that. You know what I mean? I've had guys call me a caramel princess and tell me that outside of here, they could never talk to a girl of color. And I'm like, why? Like, what's wrong with you? Do you, is that like just as hurtful as people who are outright like saying the N word to you or like, how does that affect you? It's all hurtful in a way to me and it's damaging mentally when you're a black girl because I I see a lot of black girls who will wear the blue contacts Mm -hmm. and they'll put the wigs on they just do everything they can to whiten themselves up because if they went all natural they wouldn't make any money Mm -hmm. I have to straighten my hair I spend hundreds to make my hair whiter I spend hundreds to make sure my body and my outfit looks Mm -hmm. better I stay out of the sun in the summertime so I don't get darker and have to mess mess my money up and that's messed up I used to love the sun I used to love a pretty tan but now I know that it's damaging to my money I wish I could be braver because there are black girls who flaunt their you know what I mean their looks their natural hair and they're beautiful Mm -hmm. but sometimes it can make you less in Indiana it'll make you less money if you're not somewhere like Miami or Vegas Mm -hmm. you know what I mean or you're not in a club that's created specifically for the like money throwing the mm-hmm. ass shaking and stuff like mm-hmm. that then it's harder do you feel like even in the um like black clubs that women who are lighter skin make more money than darker skin women it depends on the audience women who are lighter skinned are thought of as more beautiful in the sex industry and that's that's what's really fucked up mm-hmm. but um darker skinned women 
they, you know what I mean? Sometimes they do get clients that are just about darker skinned women. Like sometimes we come in and there's guys who don't like pale women. Mm -hmm. But in my five years of dancing, I think I've met seven or eight guys who specifically wanted like a black girl and that's all they would want. I feel like in some ways though, that could be just as hurtful because then it's like, what am I, your fetish? Like is that, or maybe- It's like I'm a secret dirty pleasure that you have. You know what I mean? It's almost like- like, think of bondage and BDSM, like, stuff like that. That's considered kinky and a fetish, you know what I mean? You keep that hidden away. You don't really tell anybody on first meeting them, like, oh, I like ch- chains and whips. Yeah. And it's weird because we've almost treated black girls like this. When guys come in the club, they're like, you know, mm-hmm. I couldn't really tell my wife this, but I've always wanted a black girl. Like, why? Why don't you just, if you're that open to one another girl, why not say I want a black girl? Like, what difference does it make? If you want a girl, you want a girl in general. But why does it have to be something secret or dirty if she's a black girl? Mm -hmm. Why can't it just be as normal as wanting any girl? Mm -hmm. And for me, it's it's given me a lot of self-image issues. Like, Mm -hmm. I... I went through a little crisis a couple years ago or a while ago where I had actually dyed all my hair blonde. Like, I fucking Mm -hmm. tried anything I could to, like, give myself that kind of you know, bunny appearance where Mm -hmm. like the playboy bunny girls, like the Mm -hmm. blonde hair, the Mm -hmm. kind of ditzy, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It doesn't work Mm because my skin is still darker. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can get away with saying that I'm a different race, which I do believe helps my money. Like once Mm -hmm. guys find out that I'm more foreign or that I could pass off as like something else it's besides like, oh, you're black. Exotic. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Then like that, I want to spend money on you. But if like, oh, you're just a black girl, then no. Or I get a, I, I, a lot of racism comes in the fact that like black girls can have conversation with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They can become regular girls. They can be intelligent. They can be kind. But every time someone finds out I'm black and I, I, I personally don't twerk. I don't know mm-hmm. how to bounce my ass. I've never <laughs> learned that. But if you ask somebody if a black girl can twerk, oh, black girls can twerk. All of them can. Mm-hmm. So at the club, when I tell a guy I can't shake my ass, they're like, but you're black. And I'm like, what what does that mean? Like, just because I'm black, I'm only good for shaking my ass on stage. No, black girls can do 30-minute rooms. They can be intelligent and talk to you and, you know what I mean? They can Mm -hmm. do everything that other girls can do. But it's just like, black girls are the party girls. Mm -hmm. They're just the girls we want to throw money on on the stage. That's all they are. Mm -hmm. Like, no, we're just like all the other girls. Wow. I'm like just sitting here processing everything saying because I'm like so irate <laughs> what you've been saying and just like people are racist. Yeah. Like that's I think the most the most hurtful racism isn't the racism that's like, you know, abrupt. It's not the racism that's in your face because honestly, I feel sorry for those people. Mm-hmm. Like, if you truly believe that I'm lower than you just because of my skin tone, like you're not even worth the argument or the anger. You're ignorant. Right. right. Like I can't be mad at somebody who's just stupid in my opinion right but the people who don't know they're being racist Mm -hmm. you know the people that are like you're black but you can't shake your ass that that's Mm -hmm. the racism that hurts because it's like wow it's like you're not stupid you're just Mm -hmm. like these are the stereotypes that you really yeah like you're pushing yeah like you're pushing these stereotypes on me and it's like i feel bad because some of these people are like i I know these people i'm friends with these people Mm -hmm. and then they're open their mouth and accidentally say something that shows that they're racist and i'm like wow you can't take that back now mm-hmm. and it's you know i think in general it's it's 
white people, we, we put on people of color to educate us. Like, it's their job, you know? And then, like, something that I've had to work through in myself is realizing that sometimes I'm more afraid of being thought of as racist than actually being racist. And that's been... Because my family is multiracial, and so that's something that I've really had to realize. It's like, if, my, if I say something and my husband calls me out on it and then I just get really defensive, then... I'm like, oh, I'm more worried about his perception of me than mm-hmm. what I've actually just done to my husband or to a friend. or, And so, you know, I just think it's, it, you're an amazing person to extend grace in those circumstances. Because that's not, oh. you don't, you don't have to, you know what I mean? Like, that's not on you. You can just be like, forget you. Like, I'm not going to be friends with these crazy white people anymore. But like, LOL. <laughs> But to extend that grace and to uh, even take the time to educate people and even just taking this time to to speak on this subject, I think is really incredible. I, in a way, I feel like, because you have to do multiple interviews on racism, Mm because the worst part is, is like each color experience is a different branch of racism. Yeah. And white white girls experience racism too. Can you talk about that? uh, I'm not, well, I mean, I'm half white, so I feel like in a way I could, um... A lot of clubs that cater to, like, like the clubs you want to go to, mm-hmm. they can be racist when it comes to white girls. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I can understand that because they've built their own little race into that club and they don't want someone coming in and, like, shaking it up. But in a way, right. that's racist in itself. Well, it's like, that's in some ways, like, so something I want to break down a little bit and we'll get into that is that um, what people don't realize is how different every club is in Indianapolis. Every club has its own culture. And every mm-hmm. club is for a different demographic of people. Like, you have more, some of the more higher-end clubs that try to be, like, fancy. And then... And They're less to, like, likely businessmen, to... Yeah. And, and you have ones that are more, um, like... Latino, you have ones that are more focused on some black clubs, clubs actually try to keep a ratio of black women in their club, like three for the daytime, five to six for the nighttime. Like they can only have so many black girls there, mm. or they want so many black girls. Yeah, there. I would say want because they basically saying that they only have to have that many is like that's that'll get them in trouble mm-hmm. but it's easier to get around it if they're just like if they only hire so many so i i don't think i don't think i've ever in my five years of dancing worked with more like i'm talking about because mixed girls the high yellow ones we get hired faster mm-hmm. but like actually chocolate girls i think in my five years of dancing I have worked with no more than six black girls at a time, wow. like in a night. There's and been how many women do you work with in a night? Uh, twenty to thirty. Yeah. And there have been times where there's like on New Year's Eve there'll be forty girls, mm-hmm. and we'll have maybe six black ones, like actual mm-hmm. chocolate black ones, because like I know we're all black, but there's a difference in the strip mm-hmm. club inter- in- industry. Yellow, like caramel red bone like they are all treated differently mm-hmm. and if you're a chocolate girl and you don't know how to shake your ass you might not make that much money and that's that's fucked up but that's how it is well and i'm even wondering about some of the legalities of because you're supposed to be an equal opportunity employer but when you have a business that's like a like a right to hire type thing you know mm-hmm. what i mean as long as they don't give you a reason of why they're not hiring you it could be anything 
That's so messed up. Exactly. When you most strip clubs now are private businesses. Yeah. So there's almost there's absolutely nothing you can do, and it's fucked up because you know you just didn't get you know you just didn't get you didn't get hired because you're black. Because mm-hmm. some of these girls that I've seen, they come from a club with no problems, mm-hmm. or they've never danced before, and they look like models, and they're friendly and hopeful, and they get turned away. There was a girl a couple weeks ago who came in with a natural hairstyle. Mm-hmm. It was the afro, but she had little cute um, golden um, pieces in her hair. Mm-hmm. And she she was gorgeous, like little bitty waist. And she had mm-hmm. like this um, wrap around on her. Mm-hmm. She did a stage set. I asked if they were going to hire her and they said no. There was no reason or anything like that. Just no. We had a girl come in four hours later who looked like she had been doing drugs all her life and... Not the drugs that make you skinny. And they hired her. And I hate to be offensive like that, but I mean, I mean I've mean, i seen beautiful white girls. Like, that's that's mm-hmm. fine and all, but why not hire this black girl who's absolutely beautiful, but hire this girl who looks like she shouldn't be dancing damn near? Mm-hmm. That's... So, yeah, so every club has its own demographic and its own, like, people. And there's some clubs that... Um, and I might do a whole episode on this and like the diversity of the club. The thing is racism, the different clubs, racism is a very hard topic to get it into. Like even now, everything I'm saying, I'm trying to make sure that I don't offend white people because I know there's. It's fine if you do. Well, no, (laughs) no, like a lot of people, a lot of people think that and that's, that's messed up because that's actually a racist thought too. You know what I mean? Just because I get racism because I'm black doesn't mean that I should give racism back. And that's what's like, that's troubling a lot of black people is they get racism so often that they're like, you know what I mean? Fuck these white people. And they shouldn't mm-hmm. think that, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Cause that's just feeding into the racism mm-hmm. when white people are like, Oh, like I, I didn't believe, I didn't know I was being racist. Like, okay, that's fine. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Let's sit down and talk about it. Mm-hmm. But when black people are like, you're fucking racist, you know what I mean? That just feeds mm-hmm. into it. There's no explanation. There's yeah. no way to separate it to make it better. Right. Yeah, well, I just, like I said before, I admire people of color that will take the time to have those conversations. I don't... It's just, it, you don't owe me that. Like, you don't owe us that. No, but I owe everyone kindness. I feel like God wouldn't be happy with me if, you know what I mean, I judged you the same way that somebody, you know what I mean, that I was mm-hmm. judged. I should never judge anybody. Mm-hmm. And just because you have hate in your heart doesn't mean I'm going to have hate in my mm-hmm. heart. And so that's so beautiful. Like oh, I just thanks. like you're such a beautiful person to even like think like that and like thanks. Um and honestly I I feel sorry for racist people. I really do. You are missing out on beautiful people, on different cultures, on mm-hmm. different foods and it's because you're narrow-minded. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're not willing to step out of your own little box that you're comfortable in. Mm-hmm. But at the same time like Everyone experiences racism, white people, Mexican people, black people, everyone experiences it. And it's our job to try to teach people to try to let them know that love is stronger than that. Mm -hmm. So how do you think that clubs could respond to racism better, like club management? How could they respond to make it a safer environment for black women to be there? I had to find a right way to say it, but uh, in my opinion, clubs group together ratchet and like ghetto with black girls. And that's messed up because all races can be ghetto or ratchet. I've mm-hmm. seen, I've seen them turn away black girls with a 
good personality but Mm -hmm. hire a white girl who has that same ghetto ratchet personality they Mm -hmm. turned away the black girl for thinking that she had Mm -hmm. not that she even really had that personality Mm -hmm. and it's messed up because we're called ghetto we're called ratchet like i have people i have i've had djs play me rap music automatically just because they assume that since i'm a black girl i like rap rap music i actually like rock music Mm -hmm. that is what i choose to dance to and i dance if white if i get up there to rap music i'm confused but they play it for me just because oh you're a black girl you want something to bounce your ass to Mm -hmm. and i don't even know how to do that Mm-hmm. And it's it's so wrong because ghetto and ratchet are given only to black girls. Like mm-hmm. that title is given pretty much only to black girls when I have seen white girls, Mexican girls, anyone who kind of, you know what I mean, has that edge to them mm-hmm. where they, they slang their words or mm-hmm. they're just very attitude and mm-hmm. angry, stuff aggressive. like that. Aggressive, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or rude, they're ready mm-hmm. to fight, you know what I mean? Stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's not, it's not just black girls i have seen white girls do it mexican mm-hmm. girls everyone do it right but in our society in general even outside of the club stereotyping wise there's it's the given stereotype of the angry black woman mm-hmm. is like a big stereotype where it's exactly like, and i've seen mm-hmm. latino women go insane like they have seen white women go insane exactly like, i mean everybody you know like yeah no i think that's a really excellent point of ratchetness is separate from blackness like it's not exactly it's not an interchangeable word which i feel like sometimes people will will treat it as such and and it's it's not it's not it's it's it can be every race everyone can have that ghetto kind of ratchet attitude and Mm -hmm. sometimes it's really not black girls it's Mm -hmm. the other races but Mm -hmm. we have i mean we have our fair share too so i can't say that but it's like if a if a black girl gets loud or a black girl gets angry then it's ratchet or ghetto Mm -hmm. but if a white girl does it or a mexican girl does it Mm -hmm. or another race does it she's just angry she just you know what i mean she's just loud that's just the way she talks Mm -hmm. but if a black girl does it oh she's ratchet she's you know what i mean like her attitude exactly Mm -hmm. like it's it's stupid yeah no i think that's a really good point and something that um yeah clubs could benefit from from realizing or just people in general because i think that's a a people issue too exactly um but yeah so going back a little bit to what you're saying before is like i am interested i have no idea but i'm just kind of interested in in knowing what the history is of um like interracial clubs you know what i mean because there are there's the black clubs and there's primarily white clubs Mm -hmm. and so like, just you were saying, like, oh, black clubs not letting white girls dance there. Like, we're kind of how, like, you know, there's black church and there's white church. And the reason mm-hmm. why there's black church and white church is because of racism and because of Jim Crow and because of all those things. And so I'm just, like, wondering out loud here what the racial history is even in the sex industry. I have no idea. Personally, I don't. Um, I don't even know when strip clubs first started. See, European women were very open sexually and the men would see how they would walk around and they would like, you know what I mean? They would walk around and just be themselves like swaying out in the open and they tried to bring that ideal here mm. and they was like, pay me. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of like the only thing I know. Mm. That is a reference to a uh, player's club. Have you ever seen that movie? <laughs> What's player's club? You've never seen that movie? No. See, that's a big part of black, like, that's, that's, it is a black movie, I hate to say that, but, like, it's an amazing movie. There's a movie. lot of movies. 
movies, I've like my husband back. Like, You've never seen this. Movie. You should. You should go home and watch Players Club today. It's it's got a uh, Jamie Fox and Ice Cube. Okay. And, uh, you know what? Players Club is actually a movie. I, I, I wanted to be a stripper. Hmm. I seen that movie and that that's like almost every black girl, white, a lot of white girls, almost anyone's seen that movie. And it's, um, it deals with a primarily black club, but Mm -hmm. it centers around a girl named Diamond who, Mm -hmm. uh, dances there and she deals with, she deals with a lot of things. The movie came out in like 95, 98, but I mean, it's, it's phenomenal movie. Hmm. It's not really educational more (laughs) as it is for pleasure, but it's a good, it's a good intro into the strip club. Let's like dig in. This is not what our subject's about today, and I am gonna do so. Spoiler alert! I'm inside cool with going scoop. out of racism too, yeah. because like right. Well, inside scoop. Uh, so the the first season of this podcast and having to be ten episodes and just kind of an overview of different parts of the industry. But the second season, what I want to do is I want to dive into fact and fact versus fiction of sex work in the media. So intro. yeah, so um. So it's interesting you bring up that movie because what I want to do is I want to talk about different movies and songs and all these things to break down like what's true in that, mm-hmm. what's not. Um, really start thinking about that because the movie Hustler is coming out. Because okay. I'm very curious to see it to see what is accurate and what's not. Because like we were talking about before this podcast and like I say in the intro every week on this podcast is people either over glamorize it or over demonize it. So mm-hmm. anyway, backtracking. So you saw this movie and that was really when, was that the first time you'd ever thought about stripping? No, because I seen the movie when I was way younger, but okay. um, it gave me a good follow into dancing because like you see the trials and tribulations that she had to go through and learn. Like she had to learn that private parties are dangerous. You know what I mean? She gets mm. drugged at a private party oh, and she wow. decides not to do it anymore. She's going through college at the same time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She has to stay out of strip club drama and there there is a lot of drama in strip clubs. So it's it's honestly like going back to high school. So much drama. Yes. it. You have different cliques you have different you know what I mean people and the girls who go in and they they have their acquaintances you know what I mm-hmm. mean they smile they wave they get their money and they go they go home mm-hmm. you know what I mean that's the girls who kind of can make it through mm-hmm. but then you have the girls who feed into the drama or feed into the anger or they get lost in the money or they let the money change them mm-hmm. those are the girls who tend to not make it mm-hmm. so how did you if you don't mind me asking how did you start stripping what got you into it Um, I started dancing because I came from a family that was not well off. I just had a single mother and she was, she was on drugs and I did not want that to be my life. I didn't want to use drugs. And I knew that if uh, I was 17, when I moved out, Mm -hmm. I knew that if I stayed in her household and stayed around all of that, then that would become my life. So, um, I moved out. I was working at Wendy's at the time and I was barely like making ends meet. So I started dancing and I I was like one of the ones who never had that lifestyle. Like I I didn't drink, I didn't party. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a party person. I'm very shy. I'm not very outgoing. Mm-hmm. So it was like a whole new world to me. But I I was so immediately accepted. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as I walked in the locker room, there was girls fussing over me because mm-hmm. when you're new, they want to help. Mm-hmm. you're shy you don't know what you're doing and they're friendly and they're warm and they're kind you have the girls who will avoid you because mm-hmm. they don't know you but then you have the girls who want to do your hair and makeup who mm-hmm. want to give you an outfit to try out on your first day and that's mm-hmm. what happened to me I had a girl give me a whole outfit and a pair of shoes to try out in because everything I brought was just ridiculous like I had no idea what mm-hmm. I was trying to wear 
And she was so kind. So who first, like, introduced you to, like, how did you go from Wendy's to dancing? Because that's not always the thought process. I, um, I've always been around dancers. I've had aunts that danced. I've had friends that danced. But it was just never for me because I was such a shy person. Mm-hmm. But, um, I just... I bit the bullet one day and I showed up at the club to audition and it was supposed to be a joke. Like Mm. I was going to go in audition. They would say no and I would go home, but I tried and the club that I tried just happened to be a really crappy club. So it was really easy to get hired there Mm. and they hired me and I didn't know what to do. Mm. It was kind of, it's kind of like how Trump got president. He was like, Oh shit. Now I don't know what to do. I didn't know they would really do this. So I started working there and uh, my first night I made like $670 no. and I, uh, I went home and paid my rent and went back the very next day to ask for a schedule mm. and I just started dancing ever since then. Ever since then I've been dancing. It's been what I've wanted to do. Mm. Wow. Gang, gang. <laughs> keep saying gang. It's we, easier for me to talk when I talk about racism. I know. Me and uh, Lola like, have this running joke, though, that neither of us knows how to end a conversation. Like, we'll just, like, walk away in the middle of it or just look at her and be like, I'm awkward. And we so, are really we're awkward. so awkward. Yeah, like, the first time we hung out, we're both like, you told me that. I'm like, I literally walk away in the middle of a conversation we, at church because I don't know what to do. We had, like, a 10, it was, like, a 10-minute goodbye <laughs> yeah. because we didn't know how to get out of it. It was awesome. I was like, bye, bye, bye. I don't know exactly. how to end Exactly. <laughs> Uh, you're saying you're shy. Like, I feel like a lot of dancers I know are actually very a lot, introverted. There's a, a lot of people think dancers are just these beautiful, sexy, model type women who, you know what I mean? Who shit sparkles. Like, I hate to say that, but they think that like we're glorious or something. And the honest truth is like, we're normal women. I, I wear these knee high socks because guys think they're sexy but really i just don't want to shave my legs (laughs) like i i will go two to three weeks without shaving my legs and guys think that i am a goddess with these knee-high socks on i you know i mean different things happen with different girls like i like the lock the, the biggest thing is the locker room Guys think the locker room is where we're just back there being sexy and beautiful and changing. (laughs) A lot of the time I'm trying to shave my ass or I'm desperately searching for an outfit to wear. We're back there drinking and laying down. We People are taking naps. Oh yeah, drunken naps. You know what I mean? That's where I run back if I've got to like burp or something like that. Like that is just not a sexy place to be. That's where we get to be ourselves and we're just just normal women. We're like your wife or your girlfriend or your best friend. You know what I mean? Like, we're not, we're not like robots or anything like that. We're not just programmed for your pleasure. We just primp and prime until we're, you know I mean, acceptable to you. Mm-hmm. And there's like, there's so, there's such big self-image dancing is like crushing to your self-image sometimes because you have these men who come in who are 65, 55, you know what I mean? Outside of the club at 23, I wouldn't even look at you. Mm-hmm. But inside of the club, you feel like I'm catered to you, so it's okay to reject me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no, no, you're not pretty enough for me. It's like outside of here, I wouldn't even look at you. Right. But when they come in with money, you know what I mean? A lot. I've seen a lot of beautiful, beautiful girls shut down by men we wouldn't look at twice. 
Yeah. And it's it's damaging to your self-image. You start to believe, like, I, I've had several, several over the years freakouts where I'm just like, God, I'm ugly or I'm fat or I'm not pretty. I am a whopping 138 pounds. That's skinny. Mm-hmm. Like, when I'm in my normal clothes, I am considered a skinny woman. Right. But when I dance, I feel fat. I feel like I need to lose weight. And I, there's just... I want men to accept me because that's more money for me. Mm-hmm. Not just true acceptance, but because I need more money. Mm-hmm. So I constantly am trying to work out, lose weight, control my diet, all to please a man who... You wouldn't care about it. Exactly. You know what I mean? I wouldn't look at you twice if we were somewhere else. Yeah, that sounds exhausting. Hell yeah. Like, we we do our nails. We shave our pussy every day. We do our hair. We buy... Dancer outfits are not cheap. Mm-hmm. I have spent 80 to $100 on something that looks like dental floss mm-hmm. just to impress somebody who's not even worth my time, but mm-hmm. I have to pretend like they're worth my time. I have mm-hmm. to pretend... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to yeah. pretend like I'm interested in them when I'm really not. I have mm-hmm. to... You know what I mean? sit up straight poke my boobs out make myself uncomfortable and more attractive to you but at the same time people are like why do you choose to dance then Mm -hmm. even though dancing has all its drawbacks I'm surrounded by women I love Mm -hmm. women I wouldn't trade for anything also I I have so much free time with Mm -hmm. dancing free time I wouldn't have Mm -hmm. in any other job and then on times where it's dead you know what I mean we're not making any money they're like find another job I'm even when it's dead, I'm still making more Mm -hmm. than a regular job Mm -hmm. because even when it's dead, we're still making 15 to 16 dollars an hour. Yeah, maybe 17 18, depending on the club. (laughs) Yeah, and depending on the month, yeah, the depending on the month, June, July, and uh, January are really bad. Yep, call those the J months. January is because of tax time and Christmas, Mm -hmm. June and July are vacation times. Mm hmm, yep, nobody's spending money at those times. Yeah, I think, like, that's what makes it, um, yeah, it's complicated. And I think even even for women who don't want to be there, that's what makes it so hard to leave, you know, is because the biggest thing I hear women say who um, are, like, over-dancing and, like, really can't take it mentally and emotionally anymore. What I've, I've done that. The- I've, uh, I've worked myself into a frenzy where I feel physically sick entering the club. And I just, I don't want to smile at you. I don't want to pretend like you're the greatest guy in the world. You know what I mean? I don't want you to give me a dollar and make me think. Like, a lot of guys will hand you a dollar and act like it's a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> like, you should just be so grateful right. that I'm giving you a dollar. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's fucking insane how high and mighty guys are when they walk into a strip club. Yeah. They act like they're kings and that we're just their servants. And I, I've, it's called dancer burnout. And I, I've, I've had to take whole three, four weeks off because of it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if I had a normal job and got burnt out, mm-hmm. that wouldn't happen. I would just be fired and replaced. Yeah. You know what I mean? With dancing, at least I get that. At least I could be like, hey man, I need three weeks off. Mm-hmm. And it's called a leave of absence. You know, mm-hmm. I've worked real jobs mm-hmm. and I've, I'm so used to the fast money. Cause even if I make $10 Tuesday, Mm-hmm. At the end of the week, I've still made over a thousand dollars. So I don't do it day by day; I do it week by week. Mm. But at the same time, you still get a lot of people who fiend for the money. They're like, "I only made three hundred dollars today," and mm-hmm. it's like that's someone's whole check. But right. the girls get so money hungry, mm-hmm. or 
they just, they think they need it so bad, they start to sacrifice themselves Mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, physically. Well, sometimes, like what you're saying with how it affects your self-image, sometimes what I found for women that talk to me is that the amount of money you make makes you feel like it's a direct reflection of your worth or your beauty or your how people what people think of you there's a lot of days where I go in and I spend an hour in the locker room freshly showered freshly shaved fresh makeup I pour myself into my image and then I hit the dance floor and every guy's rejecting me Mm -hmm. and you don't know how it feels to spend so much time trying to make yourself pleasing or trying to make sure that you're the epitome of what someone would want only to be rejected constantly Mm -hmm. every guy I've seen girls in the locker room sniffing themselves fucking fanning themselves because they're panicking you know what I mean they you're we've got girls running around how do I look what does my breath smell like like why doesn't he like me why is no one talking to me and that's a big thing for me you know what I mean I spend all this time trying to make myself look good all this money and then you I've had guys like not even be polite about it just like oh no not today like just this disgusted look on their face and it's like well fuck man what's wrong with me like what do I look like? And it does, it lowers your self image and it's messed up because I am in the state where I think I'm fat. But in reality, if I lost any more weight, I'd be skin and bones. Right. Uh, there was a girl last night. Oh my God. One of the, she looks like a Victoria's secret model. Mm. She has the itty bittiest waist, very nice ass. And this girl is, she, her stomach is flat. Mm-hmm. And the other night she was like, man, I wish I could lose weight. This guy told me my hips were too big. And I'm like, you are literally perfect. Like, Mm -hmm. I would have to pay thousands of dollars to a gym trainer to get the body that you have acquired. And you think that you're not good enough. Like, how do you think that makes me feel when you are like, Mm -hmm. or like this all because of some guy? You know what I mean? That you'll never talk to. Exactly. This is a guy you'll never see again. Mm -hmm. You'll never probably talk to again. And he's destroyed your self image Mm -hmm. in 30 seconds. You know what I mean? And we deal with that eight hours a day. You know what I mean? It's not like one guy rejects you and you know what I mean? Not right. just because you're half naked doesn't mean every guy's going to want you. You know what I mean? They get pickier than that. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I want a blonde with a huge butt, with a flat stomach, with huge titties. It's like they're, it's like they're building a girl. You know what I mean? They don't just want a beautiful girl. They want a beautiful girl that has every single thing that they personally picked out. Wow. And it's, it's, it's fucked up. Do you think it's like, a power thing? Hell yeah. <laughs> men want to men want to feel powerful. Like right. these are guys who come in who probably work a desk job, you know what I mean? They don't have much power in their actual life. Their wife nags them all day. They just want to come somewhere and feel powerful. And sometimes I feed into that. I'm okay with that. Like, you know what I mean? If you're giving me money, I'm okay with you trying to feed into that power play. Mm -hmm. But when you're just rude for no reason, Mm -hmm. like when you're just like, oh no, she's not good enough for me. Like that's not necessary. Yeah. Like if you want to come in and have a beautiful girl sit in your lap and feel powerful, I'm here for that. Mm -hmm. But if you want to come and insult a beautiful woman because you're ugly yourself, I'm not there for that. (laughs) Yeah. How do you... How do you, like, respond to customers when they're rude like that? It just sounds like it would take a lot mentally and emotionally to do. The coolest thing about being in a strip club is I really don't have to hold my tongue for you. So, uh, if you're overly rude, Mm -hmm. I will be rude back. 
Mm-hmm. Like, if you're like, oh, God, like, like you're ugly or something, I'm like, so are you. Like, I'm going to insult you. I'm going to hurt your feelings. Mm-hmm. But when guys are subtly crushing is mm-hmm. when it's the worst because I can't do anything about that. Mm-hmm. When a guy gives me a disgusted look and he's like, oh, no, no, not right now, maybe later. You know what I mean? I can't go tell my manager that. They're not going to do anything. Right. But at the same time, that 30 seconds of you telling, looking at me like I'm disgusting has crushed me for the next 30 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so self-aware, like, man, I need to go up to the next guy, but what is the next guy going to think of me? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If this guy thought I was ugly, what is the next guy going to think? Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's hard to keep going after every hit. It's like, man, some guy just told me I was ugly, but I'm going to keep going. Some guy just told me I look like I was pregnant, but I'm going to keep going. Like, it's insane. And these guys come in and think they can talk to you any way that they want to. Do you think it would be helpful if clubs were stricter on how men talk to you? Like, do you feel like, so you said, you know, the looks, you can't go to your manager. Some stuff, do you feel like you can? How does that compare to other clubs? Some stuff you just have to deal with. It's a part of dancing. You know what I mean? We're there to cater to men. Mm. And that, I mean, usually when you're talking about feminism and stuff like that, like outside of here, women are powerful. But in the strip club, we are, we, we are built to cater to the men. That is our job. So we kind of just have to roll with it. Like subtly when they're rude, we kind of just have to roll with it. There's nothing you can really do. But when they're outwardly rude, yes, you can say something to a manager or try to get them kicked Mm -hmm. out. If they're spending a lot of money back to the power thing, they're not going to get kicked out. So if the club feels like they're benefiting enough from it. They won't kick them out, no. If you've got a tab open and you're running, like if if they know you, I I know a guy who comes in, I'm not going to say his name, but he emptied our safe out. I'm talking forty to fifty thousand dollars, and um, I, I've actually seen a guy take a bundle of a thousand dollars and try to throw it at a girl. The band didn't release, smacked her in the head, cut her head open, and um, she was crying. Went to the manager. They didn't kick him out. They didn't kick him out. He gave the girl three thousand dollars and told her to forget it. Like he he physically injured a girl. And then he mocked her for it. He laughed at her, told her she was being overdramatic. She had like a knot on her head. It was like, it's ridiculous. If you have money, you're not, you're not getting kicked out. You gotta, you have to really, really fuck up to get kicked out when you have money. And that's the worst part of it. I know a guy who comes into the club and he, he basically uses his money to molest girls. Like girls will not even dance with this man, but he throws around so much money. They can't kick him out. Well, I mean, they can, but they won't. Exactly. And that's fucked up, but that's even in my vocabulary is that they can't kick him out. Mm-hmm. I should say that they won't kick him out, but it's mm-hmm. just already so pro, it's already so programmed into me that I'm that just like, like, oh, well, there's nothing we can do. Exactly. He's a big spender. Exactly. So we'll let him assault women. We've actually had girls quit because they're scared of him or they're scared to be like alone with him. I think, so one of our first episode that we did was about violence and sex work. And since that episode, I've had so many more women come forward to me to tell me what's actually happening, especially at the club, and how much buyout happens with men being able to just come in and, and assault women. There, there, I've danced with men. Uh, I personally don't kiss guys on the mouth. Um, I don't mind if you do. I just personally choose not to. Mm-hmm. I have had guys who are like, well, she kisses me. Why don't you kiss me? Mm-hmm. And I will tell them no. And I have literally had a man grab my cheeks 
and like try to force me to kiss him and I I screamed at him he grabbed me so hard that there were nail marks down my cheeks he went straight through my foundation scratch like I had red marks down my face and I went and told the manager and they didn't kick him out they just said well you know stay away from him if he does something again like they give people too many warnings as soon as he put his hands on me they should have kicked him out we're in any other environment yeah if any other environment I could have sued him yeah you could sue the club you could sue him dancing there's a very fine line with that a lot of dancers don't get to claim sexual harassment because we are a sexual thing in ourselves you know what I mean if I am dancing on you and you try to force yourself on me who's to say that like oh she was just dancing on me too hard or she said she was gonna do this and she didn't do it like it's it's hard to be a dancer and to be like oh he insulted me no one's gonna believe you aren't believed yeah Yeah, no one's gonna believe me because I had my tits out you know what I mean just because I'm in in that environment doesn't mean that I want to have sex with you or doesn't mean that I want you to force yourself on me. What I allow you to do is what you are allowed to do. You shouldn't take any liberties besides that. If your dancer doesn't want you touching her privately or intimately, you shouldn't do it. You should find a girl who lets you do those things. If a girl says no, it should mean no, no matter what, no matter how far you're into it. It doesn't matter if her titties are in your lap. If she says no, don't do that. Don't do it again. And I have had guys try to touch my pussy multiple times and I'm like, no, no. And they just keep trying, but it's because I'm in their lap. It's because I'm already naked that they're trying. Mm -hmm. I'm in a thong, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of me to touch. Mm -hmm. So even though I'm saying no, don't touch there, they think that they can Mm -hmm. and it's hard for a dancer to cut a dance Mm -hmm. because we have to go through management what do you what do you mean so if you end a dance early you have to go through your management yeah if we want to end a dance early we're supposed to go tell management or else we'll have to give the guy a refund if we just walk out on the dance what yes so if a guy touches my pussy i have to say hey don't do that if he does it again i have to walk out of the room go tell management he did it they have to tell him no and then i have to go back in there with him and keep dancing they get, wait a minute after, after i he tell has tried management to assault you mm-hmm. you have to go sorry i'm mad now mm-hmm. you have to go back in the room with him alone that's why that's why women don't really i mean if he does something violent and hurts you then it's different but if he's just trying to grab like we we don't really get a lot of violent assaults i have um I've been hurt maybe three times, five years of dancing, but we get a lot of the more subtle, let me touch your pussy or trying to finger you or, you know what I mean, guys. It's assault. Exactly. Not Not um, violent assault. I mean, it just depends. I I, I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not getting beat up. Exactly. But I'm. Exactly. But um, if you're sexually assaulted, like if a guy keeps trying to finger me and I'm like, no, I have to tell management first. You know what I mean? I give him my one warning, management gives the warning, and then after the third, the third time we can kick him out. But you know what I mean? Why would you make me go back into a room with a guy? Like this man's already mad because I've snitched on him twice. I told him no, then management came and told him no. You know what I mean? He's going to be mad at me now. You're basically sending me back into a room with someone who's now angry that I've rejected them. It's not safe. And it's already aggressive with you. Exactly. We've had, and it's like, men don't know their strength. 
like females, I, I'm not saying we're weak, but we are soft. We are gentle. We are sensitive. You cannot snatch us and grab us. And men who get drunk, you know what I mean? I've, I've actually had my arm dislocated by a guy who was heavily drunk and I was walking past him. He reached out to grab my arm and I'm in seven inch heels. So when he yanked me, all of my weight went off my heels and pulled my arm out. And it, I, I screamed so loud. Thankfully, this guy, he was... Ex- extremely apologetic he gave me a thousand dollars they reset my arm in the locker room he he was he, the man looked like he was about to cry himself he was very apologetic but it just goes to show that even though he didn't do it aggressively you know what i mean even though it was accidental like he wasn't trying he wasn't trying you. to hurt me and he even though he he still hurt me you know what i mean so even though trying to hurt you they're definitely gonna hurt you exactly you know what i mean so when you're when you're drunk and you're not watching your strength it's easy to hurt a dancer or grab her too tight or Mm -hmm. a lot of things with having our tits out is that guys constantly try to like squeeze them or bite them i've seen girls get bitten like to where they have bite marks on them and they didn't kick them out like it's ridiculous like dancers have to go through a lot of stuff yeah, and then and then they're the ones demonized and judged and ostracized. Exactly. Like like dancers are demonized from females like, "Oh, you want my boyfriend or you're trying to steal mm-hmm. my boyfriend." And I'm like, "No. I just want his money." Exactly. I, <laughs> I just I just want a bill paid and I want to go home. And like a lot of the guys who come in, they're like, "Let me take you to dinner." No, I just want to go home. Right. I just want to get my money and go home. We don't want your boyfriends. We don't want your husbands like we don't want to be demonized we want to make our money pay our bills and enjoy our time with our family and friends like nine times out of ten we'll never see these men again or we don't really care about them right yeah how many how often and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to how often would you say men try to try to at least sexually assault every day i'm a stripper every every single day when you're a dancer, you're sexually assaulted every single day. And it's like, I when I'm dancing, I allow the normal touching. You can touch my ass and you can touch my titties. That's what they pay for. That's what Indiana clubs do. But there is never... No, I can't say that. So say I dance one full shift, eight hours. Mm-hmm. And that eight hour time span, I will have about 90% of the men that I have danced on try to grab my pussy after I've said no multiple times. I've had them ask me for sex after I said no multiple times. It's every single day. There's never been a day where I haven't had a man try to grab me. And it's not all men. It's not. But there's not been a day where I haven't had a man try to grab my pussy or try to talk me into sex or talk to me dirty or act rudely to me. And one, I mean, once you get a guy paying a lot of money, he expects things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I do the $200 dance and guys are like, oh, for $200, am I getting sex? No, absolutely not. And they're like, well, it's not worth it. Hmm. Like you came in for a dance. This is not a brothel. Go to a brothel if you want a brothel and pay brothel prices. Like don't cheat that. Don't cheat escorts out of their money just because you're cheap. Yeah. And don't cheat don't cheat dancers out of your money out of their money because you're cheap Mm. and guys come in and they think they can get away with everything men really i i have had a guy tell me that if he gave me ten dollars would i pull my panties to the side like what kind of question is that but then again it also goes back to the point of who let you do that where you thought it was possible Mm. see (laughs) it's dancing is it's a double-edged sword you know Mm -hmm. what i mean girls 
girls do things, men do things. Female customers are sometimes the worst. That's what I've heard. Uh, like, if any females who are listening to this go to strip clubs, please don't think that you get extra, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm extra because you're a female you know what i mean because at the end of the day i don't want you touching my pussy just like i don't want him touching my pussy Mm -hmm. we are not sex objects to be fondled and touched you know what i mean Mm -hmm. we're to be enjoyed and conversate you know what i mean we're there as a companion you know what i mean as a fun thing there's laws (laughs) yeah you know what i mean i think people who go to clubs sometimes think and people who own clubs sometimes think that like the club is outside the law. No, there are laws in place to protect women. And so my, I want to interject this here too, is that if women are listening who have experienced assault at the club or from a client and you don't know what to do, please contact us because we have lawyers that we work with and law enforcement that we work with. Well, we'll try and help make something happen. And a lot of times women don't go forward because they don't think, because they won't be, not that they don't think, they won't be believed by law enforcement Mm -hmm. and they won't be believed, won't, whatever, I'm sounding weird, won't be believed by a lawyer even. Um, No one's going to believe them. We're half naked and we're put up on an entree pretty much. We have partners we work with who who will believe you and we want to help get you justice. And that's something I've recently become very passionate about because more women have been open to me about the assaults that are happening and that's not okay. Because what's happening is there will be men that will go to clubs, they'll drug a woman, they'll rape her in the VIP room, the club finds out, they kick them out, they ban them, but they don't call the police because they don't want the police to be at their club. And uh, Did you know if the police are called to a club too many times, the club gets shut down? Yep. So they won't call the police. And then they just go to the next club. A lot of... And then someone else gets raped. And then it all just keeps going. I got drugged at the club that I work at now. When did that uh, happen? This was back in the wintertime. They slipped... uh, I was the third girl to get drugged in like two or three months. It was was real wild. Um, When I went to the hospital, they found... um, They found heroin, molly, rufinol, uh, ecstasy... All in a mixture is what I had uh, consumed. It was in a shot. And they told me that the only reason it didn't kill me, because I had to get my stomach pumped. They said the only reason it didn't kill me because I weigh a little bit extra. So it was uh, easier to break down. But we have like, you know, the girls that work with me that are smaller. Mm-hmm. If someone's like one of the little ones had drank mm-hmm. that, it had killed them. Like they wouldn't have been able to pump it out of their stomach. It went through their bloodstream too fast. Did they figure out who did it? Mm-mm. So that person's still out there. Yeah. And the doctors were saying that, like, whoever drugs you wasn't trying to rape you. Like, they were trying to kill you. Like, this isn't a mixture of something to, like, drug a girl. This is a mixture to put a girl down. And, like, that was a very scary time for me. And the club didn't really, like, go into it super hard. And I was the third girl, second to third girl in a couple months. So I feel like that should have been like a whole police investigation. Dancers uh, come yeah, up missing. Yeah, someone dance. trying to murder people should be a police. Inv- there was just two sex workers that were murdered on Washington Street a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, brutally, like very grotesquely, where it's obvious the same person. The serial to both. killer. And yeah, and like there's not been anything on the news about it. No, because in the media's eyes and regular people's eyes, sex workers aren't important. Word we're drug users and we're the bottom of the barrel they don't understand that we have families like i 
I have a brother who loves me with all his heart. His wife loves me. I have, you know what I mean, 15 nieces and nephews that mm-hmm. love me with all their heart. Like, mm-hmm. I have a huge family. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Other sex workers, they have children they want to go home to. Mm-hmm. They have lives. They have husbands. You know what I mean? Some of them are going to school. Like, we are our own people. We're not, you know what I mean, the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, we're not disposable. We have lives. Some of us are teachers. Uh, I work with a girl who has a degree in biology that took her almost four to five years to get. You know what I mean? Like, we are important just as you are important. Mm. Well, okay. Well, we're actually almost out of time. Um, And I think that really sums up this whole episode is we're important just as you're important. And uh, that's my hope with this podcast is to help people realize like sex workers are just people and they matter and black sex workers matter and Latino sex workers matter and white sex workers matter. And they all, you know, all sex workers matter. We're all like, (laughs) we're all connected. We all just want, we want the same thing. We want to make our money and go home. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We don't want to be, we don't want to be ostracized. Mm-hmm. We don't want people to think that we're nasty or we're drug users or we're just not good people just because of what we do. Like, we're we're women who want to be loved and want to be happy. This is just the job that we chose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, once again, just if you are out there and... Um, especially if you are out there and you have experienced assault or violence and you're not sure what to do and you want to meet with someone to talk about what your options are, um, then please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, you can find us on our website, unconditionalministries.com. Um, we also have lots of other resources there for if you have left sex work and now you don't know what's next. Um, we just launched a new program for that called Club 180. So feel free to go ahead and check that out too. Um, and if you're still in sex work and you just want a friend or somebody to talk to or um, whatever, then you can reach out to us as well. And if you work at one of the clubs we go to, thanks for always being nice to us. I still think it's hilarious. Like we're just now becoming friends after it's been like four years you were always polite to me you were never rude i'm a good person you're just always like thanks like i thought you were so quiet and then the first time we met up and you talked my ear off i was like this girl's hilarious and i'm a huge fan now and i'm glad you chose to finally be my friend after all these years doing all the podcasts <laughs> what'd you say i said i'm doing all the podcasts yeah now. Dude, we'll probably have you on for more you're brilliant and just thank you for your vulnerability today and the things you talked about weren't easy i hope no one thinks i'm racist i'm not racist i love everybody <laughs> stop <laughs> um And so just again, we really appreciate all that you contributed today. And I hope that it um, touched somebody's heart. So thank you for being on here today. And that's all we have for this episode. Anything else you want to share? Are you you again? Tip your local stripper. (laughs) Especially in July. It's, well, it's August now. Never mind. Uh, It's the beginning of August. Still tipper. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's real, real slow. Um, Or if you don't go to clubs and so you can't tip Support your local stripper by donating to unconditional and we help provide resources and services for dancers so that's an option too (laughs) i'm gonna donate some pampers 
That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of our donations from our baby boutique are all from dancers. Yeah. Um, and we're actually in process of maybe launching a, um emergency food co-op um, that's going to be run by dancers for dancers. So That's cool. Yeah. I'm down with that. Dancers are the most generous people I know, like 100%. It's because we make a lot, the girls who make a lot of money, it's like, man, like mm-hmm. I have to work so hard to get people to give me this money. Now I want to give it away. I'm mm-hmm. always wanting to give away my money. Like yeah. I tip extra wherever I go. Yeah. Like I just, I have this money. Why not? Yeah. Well, and a lot of dancers I know ended up dancing because they were in a, a really financially hard situation. So then when they get a lot of money from dancing, they're really generous people. Cause yeah. Because we like to be there. Exactly. So it's another stereotype to debunk. Sometimes I feel like there's a stereotype of strippers being like greedy or something, and they're yeah. literally the most generous people I've ever met. Like, I buying me stuff too. <laughs> a, yeah, a lot of my money that like gets thrown away is usually thrown away on my friends or my family yeah. or just random stuff. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in, and be sure to catch us next week. We'll see you later. Ooh.